Heavenly Father, we're so glad to be in this thy house, standing, Lord, before your good hand of compassion upon us to speak to us in our need. And we thank thee, Father, that we can stand this morning in faith before thee, and all things have been provided for us in such a wonderful way from above. And we want to pray, Father, that we would be spoken to out of your good and holy word this morning, and that your spirit would interpret the words of man in a way that would really resonate with each of our hearts. We come to thee in faith, believing, and pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would turn with me this morning to the book of Deuteronomy, one single verse that we're going to be looking at with each other with the Lord, with the help of the Lord, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Give you a moment to find that verse. So this verse is swiftly becoming one of my favorites. Got a lot of favorites, long list of favorites. But this one is being added to those favorites as I spend more time uh, in this particular verse. Let me just quickly give you the context before I read it. This is Moses um, in what, what might be one of his last sermons or teachings uh, of the children of Israel. And we'll read the verse with each other and then get a little bit more into the context of it and the application of it. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. I'd like to pause at this verse, uh, going to be reading it a few times this morning. So the context is that Moses is giving a series of teachings. You can read back several chapters in Deuteronomy of what they all are, speaking for what might be his last sermons or his last teachings of the things that really matter. And he basically tells them that there are two ways before you in life. Two ways. You can read that in Deuteronomy 28, where repeatedly and with great effort, he lays out for them the two ways, saying that they are the blessings of God in obedience, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God shall set thee up high above all nations of the earth, And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Oh, I like the imagery very much in this verse. God's blessings overtaking us in life. Sort of like with with a wave that's much bigger than what we ever could have imagined of his blessings overtaking us in life. He says that you will be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the country, You can read more and more the elaborate ways that Moses lays out the good hand of the blessing of the Lord. Likewise, if we would look, however, in Deuteronomy 28.15, I'm not going to read through all these. He gives equal amount of time to the consequences, the other consequences of life, of not obeying the voice of God. And he actually says that cursings will come upon you 
if you don't follow in the ways of God. And even to the last little detail, he says that the things will be cursed that you gather things up in your baskets. And even your barns and your storehouses will be cursed for those that don't follow in the way of the Lord. Two ways to live with radically different consequences in life. If you could just for one moment to imagine now what the children of Israel are thinking, they are on the edge of the promised land. Moses tells them about these grand ways of which they must follow. And can you imagine them asking, well, Moses, of the ways that you told us, which is it going to be? This way or that way? What kind of future will there be for my family? What about my grandchildren? Will they prosper on the edge of this land which you have given to us? The answer to these questions that Moses anticipated are in this verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. This text is worthy of imprinting upon your mind. You'll remember it now, right? Deuteronomy 21, 29. 29, 29. It's got that ring to it. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The message is quite simple. That life, all of our lives, fall into two categories. The things that are the secret things of God and the things that are revealed to us. The secret things belong to the Lord. God keeps something secret in our lives, and we do not have answers to every question in life. And it's not a thing of faith to pretend that we do have answers to questions that we don't. God has kept something secret from us, and faith bows before the mystery of the things that God has held secret. Sometimes in each of our hearts, we need a place like a folder, a manila envelope, or a drawer. Then in your heart and mine is our Deuteronomy 29, 29 folder. Things that happen in life that we can't understand. Things that are unexplainable to us when we can't make any sense of the events of life. These are the kinds of things that we file in our hearts into the Deuteronomy 29, 29 folder. The secret things belong to the Lord. Living a life of faith at times means accepting and bowing before the limits of God's revelation to you and me in our lives. We don't know everything and we are okay with it. We don't know everything, and we're okay with it. 
You'll remember the verses in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where the Apostle Paul talks about we walk by faith, not by sight. Of course, sight means that everything is revealed. And faith means that things are kept secret from us. But we're okay with it. What do we do when life makes no sense, when we can't figure it out? Do we just throw up our hands and give up and say, I just can't make sense of this? We conclude that life is absurd in some ways, like the philosophers Camus or Sartre. But that's not where Moses goes. Moses says that these secret things of God are not meant to frustrate you and me in our lives. He simply says they are things that are not for us to know. God knows He is our Heavenly Father, and these secret things do not belong to me, but they belong to Him. One of the things of faith that will prove our faith in time is when God does reveal the secret things, how we respond to them. There are things in your life and mine that God will hold secret from you, from all of us for a time, but God will at times reveal them. And then how do we respond to the secret things in life when things come to us unexpected, unaware? How do we respond in that moment to the revelation of God's will for us in our lives? The secret things belong to the Lord. Then Moses said, there are things in life which we do know. They are revealed for us to hold and to our children. He says actually to our children forever. He has chosen to reveal the things that matter to us and to our children. Things that are secret and things that are revealed. So let's take these two principles and order them in some ways in our lives. Faith bows to the mystery of God's secrets. And faith stands on the promises of what God has revealed to us. Again, faith bows before the mystery of God's secrets, and faith stands on the promises of what God has revealed to us. Moses says, these things that have been revealed to us are for us to follow. Even when we're perplexed and we don't understand, we follow in the ways that God has given because he has revealed them to us. And in simple acts of obedience, we follow along what he has told us. They are given to our children, And when we find ourselves in situations that we feel are impossible, we fall back on the things that God has revealed and follow with his promises and the things that he has told us. And that is the foundation upon which our faith stands. I'd like to look this morning at six applications 
So that's the understanding of the word and the context of which it is. Six applications to bring this a little bit closer to our heart. Six secrets that belong to the Lord in your life and in mine. This is to open our minds to the vastness of what we don't know. And any person of faith will readily admit that there probably is more in life that we don't know than what we do know. And to help open our minds a little bit to the things that we do know and that belong to us. Six secrets that belong to the Lord. I'm just going to list them one after the other and then go back actually and speak with these in a bit more details. Number one, the future of your children. Two, the reason for your suffering. Three, the manner of your death. Four, the salvation of your loved ones. Five, the events of tomorrow. And the last one, the outcome of your ministry. All these things are secrets that belong to the Lord. You don't know the answer to any of these things, nor do I. We might so want to know the answer, but we don't because the secret things belong to the Lord. The future of your children. I don't think there's any parent or grandparent that doesn't think about this. You know, depending on their age, we think, well, what, what will happen to them when they grow up? Will they marry? Will they be happy? Will they prosper? What kind of world will they live in? Is there any among us, who are parents at least, that don't think upon these questions from time to time? And yet, there isn't one of us who knows. We don't know. We don't know because the secret things belong to the Lord. The reason for your suffering, I don't think there's anyone among us that hasn't asked ourselves the question when we see others suffer or experiences that we've made in our own life to ask ourselves, you know, why? Why is it that I had to live through that painful experience? Dealing with suffering in life for some actually might be the throbbing question of their life. It's the thing that doesn't go away. The thing that they're confronted with over and over again in their life. To ask themselves, why? Why did this happen to me? And we never get an answer to it. We'd like to think in life that God reveals the answers to his secrets to all these things. But when we're honest with ourselves, we realize that for many of us, and at many times, God does not reveal them because they're, they're the secrets that belong to the Lord. Why did this awful event happen to my children? 
You ask it again and again. For many years, the, you know, the question keeps on coming back and you don't have an answer. We want an answer. But the secret things belong to the Lord. The manner of your death. I'm not sure that all of us think about this. I mean, presumably we're not so morbid that we think about it all the time. But it's also one of the patterns of life that as we all get older, we're inclined to think about this more and more, aren't we? As we get older, we think about this more and more. What will be the manner of our death? Will God grant us old age? Will God take us when we are yet relatively young? Will I die of an illness? Or will I die in an accident? Will I be of clear mind? Will I experience pain? It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing as we sometimes ask ourselves these questions and you, you don't know. You don't know. Because the secret things belong to the Lord. The salvation of our loved ones, an unbelieving loved one, a neighbor or friend, someone to whom we're deeply concerned about, as we pray for that person who has no interest in God, they do not love Christ. And you ask ourselves, will they be converted? I don't know. I don't know. The secret things belong to the Lord. The events of tomorrow... been talking about heavy things right now a little bit, so I'd like to lighten up the mood a little bit. The things of tomorrow. When I would travel to Zurich, my, because I did it so often, my uh, patterns in traveling there would be organized to uh, last detail. I would fly into JFK on Delta. I knew where everything was at the Delta terminal. I knew where I preferred to eat lunch. I knew where I could get a coffee after I had lunch. I knew where the places were in the terminal, the best places where I'd be undisturbed to plug in my laptop and start to do my work. I knew where I could grab a bite to eat before I caught my flight. When I was on my flight, I usually picked my seats, always in second class, but I picked my seats that were my favorite seats on the plane, where I had access to the hallway and so on. When I got off the flight, I knew exactly in Zurich when we would get ultimately to the tram that would take us to the main terminal. I knew how that tram pulled into the station at Zurich. 
So I knew, was it better to get on that side of the tram or that side of the tram? I'd get on the one side of the tram, pull into the terminal, I'd be the first one out of the tram, up the stairs, through passport control. I had all my luggage with me. Downstairs to the third floor to get a Starbucks. Upstairs, run to the bathroom, go to Hertz. Down to a hill. It took time to do all this, but you know what? It became so familiar that it was kind of a nice thing to do when we organize our patterns and we know what's coming our way. But many times, many times the verses in James came to my mind. From James 4, Go now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, I will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get away. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. We know not what shall be on the morrow. We all have our plans for tomorrow. You probably know what you think you're going to do, but you do not know what will happen tomorrow. It's not in your control because the secret things belong to the Lord. The outcome of your ministry. The Bible is quite clear that ministries, ministries are intended to be on a congregational level, but ministries are intended to be on a personal level. Jesus, our Savior, intends for each of us to develop personal ministries. And sometimes, as we serve the Lord, we sometimes ask ourselves, am I doing anything that is of lasting value? Is any of this making a difference? Is it worth it? Sometimes even sacrifices that we make in life, in our perception, Sacrifices we make on behalf of the things that we would consider our ministry. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, um, will it all mean something in the end? Well, the truth is, God keeps that for, from you and me. The fruit of our labors are for him to see only on rare occasions might he reveal some of it to us, but in general, the secret things belong to the Lord. For these same secret things that belong to the Lord, six promises that God has revealed for every one of them. Again, to open our eyes to the things that we know belong to us. And Moses said, these things are revealed to you so that you may follow in all his ways. The exact word that he read there in the, at the end is that you follow you know, all of this law. I don't think Moses meant all of the law of Deuteronomy. He was referring to these last sermons or messages that he gave to them about the blessings and the cursings. And he said, God has revealed things to you that you may follow the things that I've tried to teach you. 
regarding our children. You and I do not know what their future holds, but this we know, this we know. God will be faithful to them as my God has been faithful to me. He will be faithful to them. I recall the the beautiful verse from the New Testament from Acts 2, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise is to you and to your children. I don't know what God has in store for them, but this I know, that God will be at their right hand, regardless of the events that come their way in life. He has not failed me, he has not failed you, and he will not fail them. You can stand on that promise for your children. The reason for our suffering. We don't know why painful things happen to us. We don't know why. Occasionally, I guess some of us think that the Lord might have shared with them some of the reasoning for it. But on the whole, I would say we don't know why. We suffer painful things in life. But this I know. From Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The Bible even tells us that our suffering is working for us. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction, for our little affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far greater and exceeding an eternal weight of glory. God has revealed to us that the suffering we go through here will not compare with the glory that shall be ours. This promise we stand on. And when the suffering becomes more bitter, we realize in faith that the glory will be greater. The glory will be greater. On this our faith can stand. The manner of your death and my death. Brother and sister, rejoice in this. Rejoice with me in this. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 to 8, but I'm only going to read 6 and 8. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are confident, and I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, do you remember how the verse ends, and to be 
present with the Lord. To be absent from the body for us means to be present from the, to, with the Lord. In Philippians 1, of course, we're encouraged that for us to live as Christ and to die as gain. I do not know how or when this will be, but this I do know, that for me and you it will be better. And we do not live in some kind of craven fear of what death will bring. This is one thing that I I have to say, I really regret in this COVID crisis that we're living in, that I believe many believers were somewhat deceived to actually have a craven fear for their dying. We don't have to fear these things. We can't lose. We'll be better by far. On this, our faith can stand. The salvation of our loved ones. I don't know if all of our loved ones will be saved. You don't know either. But this one thing I do know, and I would like to share this with you. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I would like to share with you this promise that we read about in Isaiah The Bible tells us that God saves people who are not looking to be saved. He saves people who are not looking to be saved. Sometimes we inadvertently teach the opposite. We sort of say, well, you have to be looking to be saved and then God will save you especially as an example at our moments at camp and so on. That's sort of the message that we bring to people and loved ones. If you're looking to be saved, God will come to you in this moment and speak to you. But this helps me very, very much that the scripture says something different. I'd like to read you Isaiah 65, verse 1. In the King James, we read, I am sought of them that ask not for me. And I have found of them that sought me not. Okay, I'd like to read this for you in a little bit more modern translation. This is from the NIV. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. And I was found by those who did not seek me. As you are praying for someone whom you love, who you know is not praying for themselves, pray something like this. Father, you don't need his permission to intersect with his life. He will never find you on his own, Father. So Lord, in your mercy, please find your way to him. And hold on to that great truth that God seeks and saves those that are lost. Remember, remember this, that a person is not found because he's seeking God. A person is found because God is seeking him or her. We remember in the beautiful parable about the sheep, that the sheep didn't return to the fold because it was looking for the shepherd. 
The sheep was returned to the fold because the shepherd was looking for the sheep. God is out right now in this moment, seeking and searching for those whom he will call and lead to him. We don't know if they will be converted, but we know that God has promised to seek. And in this we stand, and in this we have great confidence. The events of tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but you and I both know who holds tomorrow. The future lies in his hands, and we believe that our future lies in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father. A loving Heavenly Father that gave himself for us. And he told us about anxiety for the future. He told us, do not worry about your tomorrow. Don't worry about your tomorrow. Instead, he told us this today from Matthew 6, and 34. Seek the things of heaven, of his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about the things of itself. He'll care for you. And his simple command of obedience is live flat out for the kingdom today. Do not throw your sights and your emphasis on tomorrow. Throw the great emphasis on your life of today and live flat out for his kingdom. And he will meet you in your tomorrow. He knows where you're going. You don't. The outcome of our ministry in closing. I want to share with you a sentiment that I've heard about this that I I would like to try and set straight a bit. We've just read with each other that God calls those who who don't even call him. And we know that God gives us things above and beyond the things that we do. And we know that sometimes the Lord will bless our ministry unawares. We remember the verses in Matthew 25, you know, when the Lord commended those that did things in his name, and they said, well, Lord, when did we do these things? We, and the teaching was is that they did do them, but they didn't do them to Christ. They did them to somebody else. That was the teaching. But at times, I've, I've heard some people think, actually, who really don't engage in ministry in their life. They, they think that somehow God is going to take what they've done in life and create it for good, even though they didn't apply themselves in ministry. Slothfulness of, in life, being lazy spiritually of something it would be in a sinful category, that's sort of in the cursed category of, of, uh, of Deuteronomy 28. Slothfulness in life. God expects us to be active in the kingdom, And if we're active in the kingdom, he will bless this beyond measure. But if we're slothful in life, we can't imagine that God somehow is going to take our slothfulness and create fruit out of that. Live flat out for the kingdom. And this he will bless. Each believer needs to be active in ministry. 
We can't deceive ourselves somehow in thinking that when we do nothing, that God will do something. That's not what Jesus taught. He said that those were active in doing things just not to Christ. They were doing them for others. And Christ said it would be the same thing as if you would have done it to me. Our work in the kingdom is not a mistaken investment. And stand on this, brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because ye know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. We can stand on this promise that God will bless the things in true faith that we apply ourselves to because it's his good pleasure. Faith bows to the mystery of what God holds secret. And faith stands on the promises of what God has revealed. The Lord bless his word to us this morning.